Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hey everyone, this is Last Jackson of Detroit Bad Boys. On in this week's podcast, we have the Cleveland Cavaliers team preview up next in our series. I talked to Carter Rodriguez and Justin Rowan of Fear the Sword and the Chase Down Pod about Kevin Love's extension, the way forward in Cleveland, and hidden gym Jetty Osman. Uh, LeBron James comes up once or twice to no big deal. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the podcast. The best way to do that is to share, like, and leave comments. Please leave comments on the post on Detroit Bad Boys. It's the best way for us to build the podcast according to what the fans want. In order to do that, though, you have to follow DetroitBadBoys.com, which you should be doing, because it's the best place on the internet for Pistons news and analysis this season. With all that said, it's time to go to work. everyone welcome to the detroit bad boys podcast i'm your host lazarus jackson i'm pleased today to be joined by carter rodriguez and justin rowan uh both hosts of the chase down podcast who uh, recently partnered with blue wire uh, i don't know what that is but congratulations are in order and uh writers and editors <laughs> at fear of the sword uh how are you guys doing tonight i'm doing well i i thought i was going to pause and let carter answer first just as the polite canadian but then i noticed he was pausing as well so uh i'm doing well man i, I really appreciate you having us on no yeah thank i think there's no greater indicator of the chemistry we've developed over the course of like 75 podcasts than the fact that we still don't know who to answer <laughs> first when we get introduced like that so i've done like a bunch of these team previews by now and like sometimes i have two people from the same team sometimes not and like i always don't know when to throw like the names in there at the intro because i don't know who normally talks first right like it is yeah it's a bit of a it is normally justin but uh it ultimately it doesn't matter um and i think that if anyone who listens to nba podcasts gets turned off by that well, then they probably just can't listen to any NBA podcast because it's a pretty consistent. <laughs> it, it's that, and and it's I find it's more common with a three person podcast too. Like for some reason, two and two seems to work a little bit better. But with NBA podcasts, you either get that or you get the question: "Am I allowed to swear on here?" And then the host just starts cussing away. Like, yeah, you can fucking swear. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to actually swear because I didn't know. You are allowed to swear on this podcast, and I appreciate Carter just like letting one rip before like I got the chance to tell well, you. In fairness, for the bit, I had to do it, and <laughs> he's um, dedicated to the bit. I'm not dedicated proud of it. to the uh, bit over anything else. This isn't live. I figured we could have bleeped me if uh, if it were such a problem. We, we've done some like interesting bleep stuff in the past, but we don't have to. <laughs> it's fine. That's fair. all right. So now we'll do names, uh, Carter. 
We're going to ask you the first question we ask everybody who's done the Eastern Conference previews with us so far. Give us one word that sums up Cleveland fans' feelings after this offseason and uh, explain why. Uh, Swoon. Uh, Because all Cleveland Cavaliers fans have, at least in Cavs Twitter, to keep them going is their just affection for some of these players that are still around or that they kind of have some connection to, you know. Uh, I'm. I don't know if you saw all of us uh, melting in our chairs over Jet, Jetty Osman at oh, media we are day, get to Jetty. but uh, yeah, we, we were swooning, uh, and I think we're swooning so we don't get depressed because like there's a lot to be depressed about, but I don't really get that vibe from the fan base. At least the people who are sticking around, obviously. Like I mean, people who aren't going to watch the team anymore are must be bummed. But you know, my word would probably be refreshed. Um, I think people are going into this year with an understanding that uh, well, with the exception of Tristan Thompson, everyone seems to have an understanding that the Cavs are not going back to the NBA finals next season. (laughs) Um, But outside of that, I I think it's just the disruption from the norm that, or at least what the established norm had been, um, especially after Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, like the last two years, it really feels like you're playing for second place and, after Kyrie left, then that becomes even more evident. And it's tough. Like the LeBron experience takes a lot out of you. And when there isn't a chance at a championship there, going through the drama, compromising, saying, hey, it's okay that the regular season doesn't matter. And they're always frustrating. And when I had a long day at work on a Wednesday, I'm going to come home to see them get blown out by Charlotte. Like those are... I think there's some relief in not having that. And and now when we get blown out by the Hornets, it's because we suck, not because we're not trying. I have seen you be like Cassandra on Twitter for Lakers fans being like, your regular season is going to be less, uh, it's going to be more suggy than you think it's going to be. Just prepare yourselves. Which is a shame because that might be their whole season. So you, you never know. (laughs) Justin Justin is a hating ass hater with regards to the Lakers roster but it is fair like especially I think this is like such a media-esque complaint but like you really don't get the chance to like there's just like you have to couch every article of analysis if it has anything critical in it with yeah well also they weren't trying so I don't know (laughs) Like that's like, that's a really kind of tough to analyze over the course of an 82 game season. So that certainly won't be the problem this year. Where do you guys come down on the over under, which like was when I saw that number, it like just struck me immediately. It's 30 and a half last time I checked, which feels low, even for a team that is, you know, lost the greatest player of a generation. So start with Carter. Uh, Where do you come down on the over under? I actually think it's a great line. Uh, I think this team is a 31 team. Um, you know, I think that if everything goes well and if, you know, best case scenario, I don't think they're a 31 team and worst case scenario, I don't think they're going to get to 30 wins. Right. Like, you know, if you're looking at setting an over under and you're a degenerate gambler like myself, you look for numbers that, that either are, what you expect to be the best case or worst case, because those are typically going to be your best bets. You know, if you see a number, you're like that, 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 everything has to go great for them to get to that. You bet the under vice versa. If you're like, geez, they're, they're really thinking everything is going to go to hell. You bet the over this one. I think it's just, I think it's pretty spot on. I think 
given <laughs> I think if this team stays completely healthy and Kevin Love plays 82 games, you know, maybe they win 35, 36. But since when is Kevin Love playing 82 games? That's not what we know. So I think it's a great number. Um, and it's definitely not one I'll be putting a bet on because it was too well set for my for my blood. Fair no, enough. I uh, I completely agree, Carter. Like um, that's that's a tough one to bet. And actually, when the line first came out, I think it was 32 and it's moved down since then. Um, but when it was at 32, I remember I had asked Carter, if you had the option to bet within five games of the line one way or another, or take kind of outside of that window, what would you do? And for me, I would take the outside of that because I, I think things are either going to go way better than we expected and it's going to be an Indiana type situation where a team that you thought was going to be kind of high in the lottery ends up having a surprising year. Um, maybe Rodney Hood blossoms into the player he was at least in Utah. Jetty Osman has a good year. Colin Sexton's rookie of the year or just some perfect storm like that. Or this team tries right out of the gate. They're not very good. They're like four or five games under 500 and they see a fire sale of the veterans uh, that are on unguaranteed contracts. So that's George Hill, that's Kyle Korver, that's J.R. Smith. And if that happens, I think Ben has the potential to be really bad. And for all the problems and problematic things that come with Dan Gilbert, he seems to want to accelerate whatever path this team is on. It might not always be great signings, but if they're going for playoffs, he's going to spend money to try to put guys on the team um, and if they're going to tank, I don't I don't think he likes being middle of the road. I, I think he has no problem taking a blowtorch to this. Uh, they, they might rest Kevin Love or shut him down down the stretch. And you see kind of like what the Grizzlies did with Marc Gasol last year, where, hey, you have this great all-star that still has some prime years left, but uh, everything else around it is just young guys that are going to make mistakes. So um, I wouldn't touch that line, but I don't think that it's going to be too, too close to that number. So which outcome is sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I just checked with uh sorry, I, I just checked with a uh, fake source in Vegas. They actually dropped the Cavs uh line uh by two after they heard Tyron Lou's wins and lessons quote. <laughs> <laughs> so what what quote unquote lessons are we gonna learn about Ty Lu this season, right? Like we haven't seen what he'll be like as a head coach uh without LeBron. He's a ostensibly like an offensive minded guy but it's really easy to design an offense around LeBron. So right. like after media day, after uh, everything that's gone on the last couple of days, like what, uh, Justin, like what's your expectation level for whatever Ty Lue brings to the table this season? I'm really interested to see how it goes. Cause I, I feel like this is going to be a year where we learn a lot about who Tyron Lue is both. Uh, well, mostly as a coach, but um, just what his identity really is. Cause he was, when the, the team first came, he, or when LeBron first came back to the team, Tyron was the defensive coordinator uh, under David Blatt. Then when David Blatt was fired, Lou took over head coaching responsibilities and, and they hired a different uh, defensive coordinator there. Um, so whether this team's going to have more of a defensive identity when it used to have none, uh, that'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't think Tyron Lou did a good job last year. I, I think some of that was responsible or a result of the the turnover that they had or or LeBron not being engaged, kind of having a foot out the door. Uh, his health was a big factor too. He was throwing up blood uh, during timeouts or half times. Like 
that's just not a good circumstance. Um, but I think he's someone that has been a good coach in the past. And I'm really interested to see what he can do uh, with this roster that has a combination of motivated and hungry young guys and some veterans that are probably going to have a bit of an adjustment here going from finals being the goal to growth and development. Carter, same question. I'm, I'm really interested to see how this plays out, you know, and uh, anyone who listens to our podcast and I was like, Lou is kind of a microcosm for what I'm kind of curious about with everyone who's like kind of established on this team, which is like, sure, you're a professional and sure you come in and do your job, but like, I just can't get past how hard it must be to go from competing for the NBA title four years in a row or three years in a row, however long any of the vets have been with this team with that set of expectations all of a sudden just to flip and be fighting for a seven seed. I just think that's hard to get yourself revved up for that, you know? And I think like people don't want to quite acknowledge that. Um, But most teams, when they lose their star, it's not just that they suck. It's that it's kind of hard just to go have that mindset change. And I'm kind of interested to see how Lou embraces that uh, for, for a better or worse is, you know, are, are you, you know, you've had a summer to rest and recover and kind of try to get yourself back to a hundred percent, you know, let's see what you can do with this roster that is deeply flawed, but does have some interesting pieces that can do some cool stuff. So uh, I want to see how they look defensively now that they have to try in the regular season and don't (laughs) have uh, their best player (laughs) setting, not the best tone on that side of the ball. Uh, I'm just interested to see how that plays out. Uh, I just, I just have no clue what to expect from Lou or, you know, to be honest, a lot of the veterans this year. So I think that's, that's an interesting point you brought up about like expectation setting, right? Because a lot of what we heard in the wake of the championship in 2016 and like the run back a year later was that like playing with LeBron and making it to the finals to know that you're, as Justin said, like fighting for second place was mentally exhausting and draining and it was so bad that like a guy <laughs> like Kyrie, I think that accelerated his uh, his de- demise in Cleveland, if you want to phrase it that way. So I so I think that uh, having lower goals and having uh, I think an un like a an unknown uh, ahead of you will be it, it has the potential to be like mentally stimulating for guys that uh, you know may not uh, expect it to be in that way. Yeah, it's funny. It really could go either way, right? Right. (laughs) Like you're either like, who the hell cares? It's the seven seed. I'm just not going to try. Or you can be like, hey, we got to try now. It matters. Um, And kind of what way they choose to go is going to really determine a lot of how fun this season's going to be to watch. And I think it's also going to vary on which veterans we're talking about. Like um, Tristan Thompson seems a little motivated. He seems happy that he's 100% healthy. Uh, this time last year, he was expressing doubt that he was ever going to be 100% healthy again. Uh, he thought that chapter of his career was over uh, just as a result of playing through all the injuries the, the year before and really just had a, a rough season and, and kind of got healthy just in time for the playoffs, which, thank God, I, I don't know if they make it out of the first round if if he didn't uh, have that big game seven. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think a guy like J.R. Smith, that that might be a bit of a question mark on how focused and motivated he is. Uh, George Hill is a bit of a question mark. Um, he looked dead in Sacramento for the first half of last year. Um, and I don't know if the Cavs are going to be in a 
completely different situation there. Um, nowhere is really quite Sacramento when you're talking about a basketball Fair. graveyard, but um, this is this is at least the drop off in expectations and the the drop off of going to the finals for for the first time in your career. Uh, that that might be something that weighs on him, and um, it it might determine how quickly these guys get uh, sent out the door. So the obvious first guy to bring up in my mind was Kevin Love. Because he signed the extension to stay in Cleveland, right? Like he, he, right. In nominally, he wants to be here, um, but we don't have an idea of what of how healthy he can stay over eighty-two games. And then there's always kind of this uh, mirage, much like an Olympic mellow of like quote unquote Minnesota Kevin Love, like whatever right. that means and whoever that guy. Yeah, is. I, I, I want to jump in because I, I was a Kevin Love stand before. How he dare came you? Sir. This is a big part of it, but. That Wolves team was ridiculously good and had just like an ab- or the last year, the last year he was there, they were ridiculously good and just had abnormally bad luck in close games and a horrific bench. But I, I think their starting lineup was like a top eight offense and defense. So um, I don't think he's that player anymore. Um, but if the Cavs suck, I don't think it's going to be as a result of him. Um, this is, as Carter alluded to earlier, this is a deeply, deeply flawed team. Um, but in terms of effort, I, I think you're going to get a lot, lot out of Kevin Love. Um, he, I think that's just kind of the way he's wired. And um, part of me thought it was possible that he would sign this extension in Cleveland because when you look at Minnesota, he was happy for the most part. Uh, he, he seems like a kind of a low-maintenance guy a lot of times. And things only kind of went downhill when they weren't offering him mass and we're, we're saving that for Ricky Rubio. You're not our franchise guy. And I think that's when things kind of went, uh, kind of went off a cliff on you son of a bitch. Exactly. So (laughs) I, I think showing some loyalty to him, um, probably went a long way there. And I, that's a a guy that maybe this is going to sound stupid in a couple months, but I, I just don't really worry about his effort or uh, compete levels. See, I, I don't worry about that. I worry about Carter, what, what you can, uh, what kind of an offense and what yeah. kind of a defense you can build you... around Kevin Love <laughs> in the NBA in 2018, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I get that. Um, uh, I think the offense thing is actually a, almost a more prudent question than the defense. Cause I think he's actually fine on defense most of the time. God, he was I think the, if he's, he's not the best defender in the starting lineup, a lot of nights, that was a nightmare. Yeah. I mean, you have to consider how many times like the, like this Cavs team was just letting guys blow by them and like having Kevin love be your first real line of defense, not your last, you know, it's not like, it's not like the, like when you watch the Cavs, man, have you really, did you ever really feel like, Oh, they're doing a nice job hiding Kevin Love tonight. Especially when it was starting Derek. Yeah, they funnel guys to him because they didn't want to starting Derek Rose, Dwayne Wade, a LeBron that couldn't care less on defense and wasn't very good even when he was engaged, and fat and fat and depressed Jay Crowder, (laughs) like (laughs) Kyrie. Even like even like it right yeah just like like, 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 yeah you put that personnel around love like defensively you're probably gonna have a hard time but like it's not because you have Kevin Love let's put put even more defensive responsibility on because we want to play small yeah and I think I think the the best way to like to like think about that as a thought exercise is like if you put a league average defender at power forward how much better would the Cavs regular season defenses have been the last couple years uh. 
I don't know. Not is much. Jay Crowder a league average defensive power forward? Well, I can tell you this much: <laughs> they were dog shit with Jay Crowder. <laughs> it, it just doesn't, ha- you know, like they were so fundamentally flawed in a lot of effort and structure. You, you're, you're forgetting that Jay was revitalized and he thrived in that Utah system. He just wanted to play in a structured offense to help him shoot even worse than he did in Cleveland. God, I hate that guy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, offensively, I think it's actually an interesting question. Is like in this switch heavy, um, you know, modern league, can you really like build an offense out of the out of the elbow? Um I think you can. I think we've seen it with the Nuggets, even though I don't think Love is nearly as gifted as a passer as Jokic. Um, and I do think Love, you know, he does well enough on post ups. He draws a lot of fouls, which uh, ups his, per, you know, ups his points per possession in the post. So he can he can beat a switch or two. Um, the Cavs will have a decent amount of shooting around him, uh, oftentimes if they play him in the right lineups. Uh, but it's certainly a worthwhile question. I don't know if Kevin Love's ever going to be a 26-point-a-game no. guy ever again. And that's not really a slight, because 26 points per game is like a shit ton. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. not that many guys do that every, any year. So, you know, I think he's going to settle in, you know, with a little extra volume, um, maybe slightly worse efficiency, and he'll land around 22, 23 points a game. And that'll be enough for the Cavs when their half-court offense is bogging down. Because if you look at this roster, it is full of transition threats that can't do shit in the half-court. Uh, and Kevin Love is one of the few guys who really is built to score in that in that space. So uh, I think they're going to lean on him a lot, uh, even at the expense of his efficiency. And that's okay. This might be one of the uh, least grand things I've ever said, but I think the Cavs need to cheat off Brad Stevens' notes in class. Like... Um, especially like after Kyrie went down, look at the way they ran offense around Horford with like Terry Rozier out there and, and Jetty Osmond's basically Jason Tatum. So um, I, I think you want to <laughs> copy a lot of what they were doing there without like a reliable perimeter uh, initiator. Um, and I, I think Justin Thompson even mentioned that they're, they're looking at a lot of film from the Celtics and how they operate offensively. So um even though they don't have that guy that you're confident with the ball, they do have a lot of ball handlers in George Hill, Colin Sexton, you hope will take over that Jordan Clarkson can handle the ball. I don't know how good he is at getting it to other people. Uh, but Rodney hood was actually one of the better pick and roll initiators uh, in, in the league when he was in Utah um, or at least above average. And with the screen setting of Tristan Thompson and Larry Nance jr. I think, you might be able to generate some offense there, but uh, to your point, I, I think the uh, 26 point per game days for Kevin Love are, are long gone. And I think maybe 22 is, is where it'll, it'll settle in this year. Okay. So we're now we're going to talk about Jetty. Is it Jetty? Jetty. Yep. Okay. So this guy has been kind of hidden. Only one summer league game, less than 700 career minutes playing halfway across the world in world cup qualifiers for turkey <laughs> but he's all justin can talk about and he just comped him to jason tatum so who is jetty osman who is he so uh, i'll pick this up uh Jet- jetty is uh first off we're projecting uh because he's a really endearing guy <laughs> um uh he is like the ultimate like bright-eyed young guy who just like he was asked at media day about the workout picture that got posted where he had gone to a workout with uh, LeBron, KD and Kawhi. 
Um, and the way he talked about it, uh, someone referred to it, it as like he won a sweepstakes <laughs> to get there. <laughs> it was like, no, like yeah. very I, like I saw the look on his joy. face. Yeah, yes. like unbridled joy. And um, so for, as a player, I actually think, uh, you know, I think Cavs fans are too high on him, obviously, because we're just enamored. But I do think uh, we got to see – it's one of those things where that's one of the rare advantages left of being a fan of a team where you get to see the little bursts that unless you're really paying attention, you're just not noticing. Um, Jetty's a really, really good athlete. Um a uh, really good uh, runner in transition and like not just capable, but actively does so, you know, like you don't often see a guy go full bore in transition for the chance at maybe a layup or to open up a lane for a shooter. But Jetty does that uh, in a way that really forces the defense to pay attention. Uh, his handle is terrible. Uh, he, he kind of has to play lead guard for Turkey, but uh, at least in his rookie year in the league, uh, he found himself whenever he was initiating, he got ripped a lot. Uh, I think he can develop at least a passable handle. Um, and that is like, that's a nice skill that you can see someone needs to develop. Cause it is one, it feels like one of the ones that's more work onable than most. Um, uh, he, his jumper kind of comes and goes. Uh, he's kind of remade it over the course of this off season. And uh, you know, a lot of people have been posting Kyle Korver comps uh, just in terms of form. Uh, if he can hit at a consistent rate, I think his energy as an off-ball cutter uh, will really be better utilized because teams will have to respect him as a shooter. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, uh, he's also a, a pretty nice passer, has good instincts. Uh, he's going to play a big part for this Cavs team. Uh, I had speculated that they might not start him just because, you know, Tyron Lue might prefer Rodney Hood. But uh, Joe Varden on <laughs> Nate, Nate Duncan's podcast is pretty much all but confirmed he's going to be starting for this team at small forward. and. Uh, pretty small, sh- pretty small shoes to fill. Yeah, walk, uh, walking in the footsteps of Alonzo, Alonzo G is very, very difficult. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Jetty, Jetty's exciting. So Jetty, I remember I got excited about him when the Cavs drafted him. Um, just it didn't take a lot for me to get excited. Uh, I'm going to buy in a lot of guys, but uh, Chad Ford had mentioned that he would have been a lottery pick if there wasn't two years left on his contract in Turkey. So I thought that was a kind of perfect draft and stash guy. Uh, someone that seems to understand his role. And uh, the comp that I actually had was like a small forward version of Tristan Thompson, like knows exactly what he needs to do in the NBA, what his strengths are, and isn't going to deviate from that. Um, but then this summer has been a bit of a surprise, just seeing him work on his jumper um, in the uh, FIBA world cup qualifiers out of the top 30 scores. He actually hit the most threes per game in those qualifying games and, and almost all of them are coming off the dribble. Now that line's a lot closer, but it's at least some positive development. So um, I, I mostly agree with Carter's analysis. I'm not going to go on for too long, um, but it's just going to be kind of a, a fun guy that you can at least focus on, on, on potential growth there um, when that really wasn't the case the last time LeBron left. So having guys like him, uh, Colin Sexton and Lance to, or Nance, Lance, good God, uh, Nance to a lot lesser of a degree. Um, that's it's it's nice to have. So, what's the starting lineup going to be? Because I think that I think that gives us a lot of insight into how uh, the direction of the rest of the season is going to go. Like, if Ty thinks he's going to push for the seven or the eight seed or whatever, like we won't see a lot of Colin Sexton. We won't see 
um, as much like Kyle Korver, or we'll see more Kyle Korver. Um, we'll see the vets basically. But if yeah. they think they're rebuilding, they're going to play the kids more. So uh, I have not listened to the Cleveland Nate Duncan podcast. I try to avoid Nate Duncan whenever possible. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> but what what is what was uh, Varden saying when the starting lineup was going to be? Um, yeah, I I'm going to take my guess. I didn't realize that they had talked about it. But uh, I, I I have the direct quote. If that's okay. well, I want to take my guess yeah, first, and it. I want to see if I'm right. I I think it's going to be sex. Fine. Sheesh. Yeah. Sexton, Oof, okay. Hill, Jetty, Love, Tristan. Go ahead, Carter. All right, the direct quote from uh, Joe Varden, a new beat reporter for The Athletic. Uh, George Hill. I think you're looking at a starting lineup of George Hill, Rodney Hood, Jetty Osman, Kevin Love, and Larry Nance. Says Sexton, Clarkson, and TT are locks off the bench, and the other two spots are up for grabs. That means um, a guy like J.R. Smith, apparently... Uh, might not have a guaranteed space in the in the rotation, which, which is, is correct. A surprising. It, it's correct. Uh, same but for surprising. David Nwaba. Um, yes. Same for Kyle Korver. Uh, which I mean, Kyle Korver is going to make the rotation. Come on. Uh, but it is interesting that Varden doesn't think Sexton's going to start, and I wonder how long that's going to last. I mean, what's the use of playing Colin Sexton off the bench alongside Jesus. Jordan Clarkson? I mean, if he's if he's the first guy off the bench, then maybe it just kind of just feels like you're getting in your own way, right? I, I don't think that's going to last all of preseason. This is a Tyrod Taylor situation. You want to surround Sexton with like literally as much shooting as humanly possible because he's a point guard who can't shoot in 2018, and so it makes not it makes some sense to like put him next to like Corver and Jr. But like not necessarily next to Tristan I don't know I don't know man like I do I do think that like that line of thinking is like you can't play him with a non-shooting center is like I think that's a little too far not saying that's what you were doing but he's also going to want a nice vertical threat in the pick and roll yeah and well I mean like you have Cheney Fry on the roster for a reason right well I I think that reason's more with the locker room like even looking at last year um Tristan helped with the bench lineup with like uh, Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose, which God, that feels like years ago. But if you have shooters around like Colin Sexton and Tristan Thompson, like I think there's a lot Thompson can do uh, to to help Sexton. Like, one of the best uh, pick and roll pick setters it, that there is. Uh, when he's healthy, he's mobile. He can get out of the way, and he understands spacing well. So um, I, I think there is a benefit to that. But then all of a sudden, if you're also pairing like David Nwaba in there, Jordan Clarks, and then I think it starts to get, Could get real. Yeah, it's going to get real contest, uh, congested really quick. Ultimately, Laz, and we were talking about this on our pod uh, earlier this week, is like, this team just has too many players that are going to expect to play. Like, I mean, I think you can kind of get that vibe right now uh, just with all these names we're dropping, and I think we've hit like 11 or 12 that expect to play, and really, teams shouldn't be running more than nine on a given night, right? Uh, so that they, this is a team that's really ripe for some midseason trades of dumping some veterans onto teams that are looking for some help, uh, because right now it's congested as hell. Well, one guy in particular that sounded like he was like mentally preparing himself to be traded at media day was, uh, Corver. And like, that's a guy who very clearly could help a, any, like any playoff team, especially in like the lower half of the Western conference. And so, like, 
he's and a guy who has a lot of other guys on Cleveland's roster that play the same position as him, right? And so, like, that's the guy I'm staring at as getting traded in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, he's a good asset, too, because his next year of his contract isn't guaranteed. And even beyond that, he's already talked about considering retirement. So this might be his last year. Um, so if you're looking to, to get off a little bit of salary while still getting someone that helps you, um, at, at least for this year, like, I, I think that wouldn't surprise me to see a team like Milwaukee go after him or, or even the 76ers. Um, cause yeah, a, a couple, a couple dumb people on twitter.com, uh, were kind of posting the Cavs payroll and like, uh Oh, like, Oh, they are so screwed. They have so much money committed this season and next season. Um, and they're dumb because the Cavs actually are in a pretty good spot uh, with regards to this, because they have a lot of these contracts with non-guarantees in their second on their final year. Uh, George Hill next year is set to earn 20, 19 million, only uh, guaranteed 1 million. That's a nice trade chip for a team looking yeah, to get off like, money. There's, yeah, there's like $43 million that are not guaranteed. Yeah. So, JR, um, JR, I think is, JR's, I think, guaranteed like 16 million next season. Uh, not this season, but next season. And I think only three of that is guaranteed uh, the year after. Um, and so ultimately, these contracts are actually really movable as teams try to get off the last vestiges of their terrible deals from the cap boom summer. Uh, and ideally uh, with free agency looking pretty loaded, I think there are going to be teams looking to get that cap room. And if the Cavs can toss them a useful eighth, ninth man in Corver and JR in, uh, in George Hill, you know, there's positive value there uh, twofold. And I think they actually should be able to extract some positive value there. If Kobe Altman plays it right. So, but that sets them up for for the rebuild. You, you're getting, right. you're not getting excess salary with those trades. You're trying to get picks, or you're trying to get guys who uh, expire in the next couple of years, or you're uh, taking on somebody else's dead money in exchange for a pick, yeah, uh, and and like or, a JR or something like that. And so, or preferably a young yeah. player, like if you're talking about like the Hornets, I'd love to be able to like take monk raise their hands for like freeing them of batum like i don't i'd almost rather go with a young player uh than a pick just because i trust a young player that's shown something in the nba over a draft pick that the Cavs have to make a selection with in the nba draft which can always be a little shaky yep i think that's kind of what you're looking at uh the the, the dead oh, money for picks uh game is probably what we're gonna see i think by the trade deadline that's fair. Oh man, that Batum contract is really messy, though. It's it's probably the worst deal in the league at this point. Tristan and him can have like conversations about swinging and stuff like that, so maybe it helps revitalize them. <laughs> All right, the, the hot swinging scene in Cleveland. Oh wait, no, no, no. I just I just realized Tony Parker's there. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he's no, he's gosh. downgrading on on uh, being yeah. unfaithful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte has her own thing set up, so maybe maybe that's not as good of a, a swinging fit as I thought it might be. So, when the Cavs set up the rebuild, who who stays? I guess Jetty and or Jetty and Colin seem pretty obvious. Larry Nance seems like not. I wouldn't say like completely obvious, but that seems like a solid enough. He's guy. as close to a lock as you're going to get. I think they're really looking to play his local factor. Okay. Uh, they're looking for an extension. 
he really wants to be there and like you don't find that many guys that are like want to be so geek to be in cleveland yeah um even if like they don't hate it you know obviously kevin love extended and stuff like that but like he loves it there and he grew up there and uh he he really wants to build something in cleveland uh i think those three and then kevin love i really don't think they're going to move kevin love um yeah, me I, I know a lot of people have speculated that all the extension was was an excuse to give him a movable deal so people weren't trading for an expiring contract. I think that's kind of not one. I don't think that many teams are going to be that uh, geek to take on 32 year old Kevin Love at 30 million a year. Um, and two, I think that uh, and I've said that Justin's so sick of me quoting David Zavak, our former uh uh, lead editor at Fear the Sword, but he said something along the lines of the Cavs at some point are going to have to establish a positive mm-hmm. out- identity that doesn't involve LeBron James. And I think Kevin Love keeping him around kind of points to that. Um, and so, yeah, I think those four are really your core in the short term and the long term. What about uh, what about David Nwaba? Like that's a guy who interests me because he's young enough to fit on that timeline and I think he could come cheap enough for the not too distant future to be uh, involved in something like that, involved in a rebuild. I mean, yeah, I, I think he's someone you might see that him involved in their plans. I, I don't know if you'd ever identify a guy like that as kind of a core piece, but I think they'd like to retain him. I I would have loved to see them get more term on that contract. Uh, yeah. That would be really nice. The only other fringe guy that I would consider is Ronnie Hood, uh, who has expressed a desire to play in Cleveland long term. Um, he's I, I mean, last season was what it was, but uh, in the not so distant past, uh, this was at least at a reliable score and somebody that is hoping to kind of rehabilitate his image and standing on the league. And um, if he can be the player that he was in Utah last year and and you can get him on a contract similar to what he wanted. So like four years, 40 million. Um, I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world because in a vacuum, he probably has the most talent out of uh, any of the Cavs' wing players at, at, as it currently stands. Yeah, but pass. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. real woke. And yeah. You're, you're really able to deal with people with anxiety when it's Kevin Love, not Rodney Hood and his BoJack Horseman looking ass. <laughs> I know. I just, oh I just can't. I'm out. You're fake woke, just you're fake out. woke is what I'm calling you. Carl. I have I'm not fake woke. I'm fake. Dis- I'm fake interested. <laughs> I did, I have zero idea of like what motivates Rodney Hood to like get up in the morning, and like that is why I would have trouble handing him like a. Yeah, but I, I can't do. Like, I can't figure that out with myself either. So I'm 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 not going to throw stones from this glass <laughs> house. Fair. I'm just not that interested in him at this point. Like I feel like I saw everything I needed to see, um, and it's like the best version of Rodney hood might come around and that'd be nice. And it's just like, are we getting good value there? Uh, I mean, he'll be hitting unrestricted free agency. So if he does ball out, someone will probably throw him an offer because it's a wing crazy league. Um, it just felt like the chance to, the chance to extract good value out of Rodney hood came and went when they weren't able to sign him to a cheap long-term deal this summer. Uh, now that he's taken the qualifying offer. It's just like, He's just kind of auditioning for the league at this point. What's the what's the biggest on court problem with the Cavs roster as currently constructed? Um, a log. There is a log jam at both the guard position as well as the center position, without a lot of clear 
starters. Like they have a lot of guys that like deserve 18 to 20 minutes and not a lot of guys have proven they deserve 30 to 36 minutes. So um, I, I think some consolidation or some thinning of the herd uh, would go a long way with this roster because um, I mean, George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, J.R. Smith, Kyle Corver, David Nwaba, uh, Jetty Osman is probably more of a two, but he's going to play a lot of three. Um, like there, there's just so many mouths to feed and, and guys that don't really fit here long term. And at the center position, I mean, you ideally you'd want a timeshare between Nance and Tristan Thompson, but. At the same time, I want to get Ante Zizic minutes because he's looked very promising and and was just kind of one of those guys that was picked in, in the teens in, in in the first round. So, he has. Uh, I don't remember that at all. Um, he... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, he. Uh, okay. This is another one where it's like you got to have to watch in small bursts. Like the end of last year when the whole team was hurt, he came out and you know dropped fourteen, sixteen points. Um, was showed real flash as a post-up player. Actually looked really great in summer league in the two games he played there. I think average like 24 and like 10. Um, you know, I think you at least have to figure out if he's good at some point over the course of the year. And his internationals, his international stats, I, I think the only other player like under 20, I think, in in, in the league that he played in that had a better uh, PER was uh, Jokic. Um, like he, he was, he put up real numbers in, in a good European league at a young age. And I, I think bigs take a long time to, to kind of develop, but early on um, as, in the year, I was getting pretty certain he sucked. Yeah. And, and then it, and then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, the game slowed down for him. And he looked a lot more comfortable, especially, I mean, he's not going to be a good defender at any point cause he's a little slow footed, but he does have really nice touch around the bucket. Good footwork. And he's big. He's a big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that still matters. Hey man, uh, even look, though... these, uh, that per 36, that's totally sustainable. T- 20 points, 10 rebounds. Um, how many blocks here? Two blocks on 73% shooting. That's, that's who he is, and that's who he's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I am, I am super suspicious of per 36 yeah. superstars because I dealt with Boban Moranovic for two years. Yeah, Justin, if you, if you ask me, we got a Hall of Famer on our hands at third string center. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That actually might not be the worst comp. Like a guy who's okay in spots, but uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm not superstitious, but I'm um, I'm a little <laughs> bit stitious about him. That's fair. So, what's the what's the best case <laughs> scenario for the Cavs? That could be short term. That could be long term. Like this season, is it is it better to try and chase a playoff spot? Like it seems like Gilbert wants to do. Or is it better to just kind of stealth plan the rebuild and then uh, go full rebuild next year? Long term. The best case scenario for the Cavs is to become a healthy organization that makes sense. In it, <laughs> we have such modest goals. It should be a I mean, modest goal. That, like, is that modest? I feel like there are a bunch of teams that are not well run. Yeah, like I don't know. It's like you know, because I I always you know it's like the old truism. Like you can't trade your owner. Um. And these Cavs have been marked by instability in the Dan Gilbert era. Uh, they've come with great success because the greatest player of all time was born in Akron uh, or the second greatest or the third greatest, whatever you care. I don't want to have that debate. Um, but this is a team that has not 
had healthy organizational structure. Gilbert has never extended a GM. Um, they have not done particularly well in the draft overall. Um, they found a few hidden gems. Uh, they've also taken the worst number one overall pick of all time. Um, I just want this team to develop a healthy culture, um, however possible. And, you know, it, it, because when you have a bad owner and you don't have a healthy culture, you can find success. You know, the Knicks have had two or three good years here and there, um, but you can never sustain success. And that's like, so I don't really care whether they take the, oh, we're going to tank or we're going to try to compete. I, either tack is fine with me. I just want them to do it as smartly as they can, whatever route they choose. You didn't like the Kyrie Irving, Deion Waiters selections back-to-back years? Uh, it was a little awkward. Didn't work out that well. They had to host a press conference about <laughs> hey, how no, they no, didn't that, hate each that other. Was the uh, the Isaiah and Jude, Joe Dumars of their uh, of this era. That's I remember. That's what they thought. That's what they they wanted it to be. So um, it uh, it uh, it's, swinging a mess. Certainly was something. Um, we will we will always have the post All Star break. Dion Waiters in in 2014 where. He looked fantastic. Kyrie was out with an injury. The team was 500. J- Justin, can, can we collectively agree not to get hoodwinked by the post-All-Star break? Half the teams aren't fucking trying anymore. Surge yeah, by you, mediocre you boy, young you players. Yeah, you learned uh, from that. And that's something that the, the Lakers fans are also going to learn because they are... NBA and Twitter needs to learn that collectively. I can't I can't keep hearing about young guys that Every bi- are only wow, good from February to March. Every bad team has all well, their you young players look a little bit better after the all-star break the the future is bright. after everyone stops fucking trying yeah. you didn't love mario hazonia's march what that's crazy he was so good mario is it mario's a good all i'll say is it's definitely a sign yeah, of things to when come. he's playing alongside Kyrie and kd in new york <laughs> mario, so know. uh what's the what what's the under the radar thing that nba fans who now have less of a reason to watch the Cavs are going to miss on a night-to-night basis jetty <laughs> Jaddy, there's no other answer. It's like this kid is either going to be um, not special because that's putting too much on him, but he's either going to be a really fun player to watch that shows a lot more than anyone who watched him last year. Uh, you know, only on some nights on national TV games where he gets eight spot minutes. Uh, he's either going to be, he might be a guy that you're like, oh wow, I didn't know he had that in him. And uh, I think a lot of Cavs fans are really banking on that, not necessarily in terms of how it impacts the wins and losses of the team, but just in terms of uh, an extra person to root for their growth and um, and seeing what he's made of. Yeah, it's oh hey look he's an he's an NBA player, and um, I don't think there's going to be anything under the radar or subtle about Colin Sexton. I think he plays the game in a way that isn't exactly nope. quiet. Um, I. I guess the only other guy might be Larry Nance if he really does blossom and it looks more like the Larry Nance before he pulled his hamstring last year. Um, but yeah, I think Jetty's kind of the obvious one because um, outside of our, our little niche here, I, I don't know there's if there's a lot of people that know he exists. This is the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I do have to ask you about the Detroit Pistons. So from from your perch in Canada, uh, what do you what do you what have you thought about the last six months in Detroit? The the Blake Griffin trade, uh, firing Stan Van Gundy and hiring Dwayne Casey. 
uh, restructuring the front office under Ed Stefanski, uh, swiping away Jose Calderon, if that matters at all to you. You son of a bitch. A little heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm always going to have love in my heart for Jose Calderon, not not only for his Cavs tenure, but also just also growing up and watching a lot of Raptors games. Um, I think uh, I, I like a lot of what they've done. Um, obviously, they paid a lot to get Blake Griffin going to pay a lot for a guy that's uh, probably on the back nine of his career. But I think it was something that they had to do. Um, I, I don't think there's when you're in Detroit, similar to Cleveland, there's a finite number of ways to get kind of star level talent uh, into town. And um, I think it's a gamble that was worthwhile. And to be honest, I feel a lot better about it now that Dwayne Casey's there. Um, I think Casey is a really, really intelligent coach. This isn't exactly a hot take. He won coach of the year last year, but I think he's someone that gets a lot of buy-in from his players. And um, I think uh, schematically uh, he's very intelligent and he's going to do a lot of things to, to hide weaknesses. Uh, He's done that in the past. I think Jonas Valanciunas and Marta Rosen are two of the worst defenders at their respective positions. And uh, Toronto was a respectable defensive team with them. Um, so I, I think he's going to put on guys in a lot of positions to succeed. And um, I, I know uh, whenever whenever it's not a white coach, we have to say, oh, they're a, they're a player's coach. But uh, I think he's a really brilliant basketball mind. And uh, I think he's going to do a lot of great things in Detroit. And I, I think they've taken some steps in the right direction. And uh, I, I think they're going to be a playoff team. Uh, I, I thought that last year and then I looked really stupid, but I think this year they, they especially in a, a weaker Eastern conference, uh, I think that they're going to make playoffs. I stand for Blake Griffin. I like him. I like watching him play. Um, I right? think he's a, he seems fun. Yeah. I, I do think his body language hit some alarming uh, levels in some Pistons games I watched last year. Uh, but I also think like, I don't know, man, like this is that stupid, like tangential stuff that probably doesn't matter. But like you see him snapping with Andre Drummond all off season. Like, you know, I think he's had some time to adjust. I think, you know, when you get traded and get blindsided, I think it's kind of hard on your psyche um, and going to a team that wasn't that good. And, you know, for whatever reason, wasn't putting it together. Even when he was playing, I thought he played OK for stretches when I watched them. Uh, I just think some time for him and Drummond to figure out how to play together is going to be helpful. Um, I think this team is a playoff team as well. And uh, I just like a lot of the individual pieces. I think, you know, I think it's, I mean, you could, you tell me like, is Reggie Jackson just cooked? Is he just not good anymore? So he's fine when he's on the court. Uh, I know his numbers from three, especially last year, weren't great, but uh, defenses still respect his ability to shoot and drive. And like that's something they just don't do for his backups, regardless of who those backups have been. And so the offense in particular just flows more effectively sure. when he's on the court. And so yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's I don't fine. know anything about their rookies. That's the only thing I don't. I don't know anything about Bruce Brown. And they had another one, right? Yeah, Kyrie Thomas out of yeah, out of Cleveland. Was. Yeah, two second yeah. round picks. Hopefully, those guys don't factor into the season at all, right? Like if something, <laughs> no, if like if if Bruce Brown is playing like. 15 minutes a night like something has gone wrong um yeah something has gone horribly wrong right. but i and like so, bullock i like i think stanley johnson might turn into a player i mean i think it's got to happen soon and i was in on him i i i really hope that he b- breaks out this year because he should be a good player 
So the 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 pitch right now is that uh, very very quietly, uh, they're throwing Stan Van Gundy under the under the bus on that one. Like Stan just broke him mentally and never built him back up, and they're hoping that Casey uh, builds him up to a point where he can be a rotation player. Yeah, I I I mean he fits the concept. He's just another one of those. The idea of him is a lot better than the reality of him so far, but yeah. it doesn't mean that the reality of him can't eventually be good. Exactly. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, what's the best place for for people to yell at you about the Cavs? Go ahead, Carter. Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can yell at me at uh, Carter underscore Shade uh, or Justin at Cavzanada. Uh, you can follow our written work at fearthesword.com. And you really, really ought to subscribe to our podcast, Chase Down Pod, uh, on Twitter uh, and Chase Down Podcast uh, on pretty much every social media platform or every podcast platform. Um, we would really appreciate uh, subscribe and a listen because we think we have a pretty good time. I, I will say I do not listen to a ton of team specific podcasts just because like i don't have the time there are 30 nba teams and like i i have a real job but like you guys are definitely one like i will i will kick in and like see what you guys are up to every couple weeks and it is a good time and it is a good podcast and you should definitely subscribe that's cool man thank you that that means a lot that's 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 about as good of a compliment as i think we could hope for (laughs) uh obviously you should be subscribing to this podcast as well uh and you should follow me on twitter at last chance that's at l-a-z-c-h-a-n-c-e what a great uh, this has been the de- thank you that's my middle name actually <laughs> oh well, there you nice. go mine's my middle name carter oh, underscore shade shade is your middle name sure is it's my mother's maiden name See, both of you guys have cool middle names that like you you think it's just a catchy handle but turns out it's actually your name mine's just dumb i put out a poll on or i put out a question on twitter asking for suggestions and and this was the one people liked the most it's a tough it's a tough it doesn't capture your spirit at all i'll note it and yeah. and now but like now you're like married to it right because yeah you can't, it's your brand you can't change it anymore yeah yeah and yeah especially now if i change it everyone's like oh lebron leaves and now you're not that anymore and, and plus i'd be <laughs> yeah, punt- it's over for you yeah i'd be punting the blue check mark too if i change it and it's just it's yeah it's a hassle nice nice brag Anyway, Wait, sorry, yeah, nice, sorry, nice, nice humble we, we really hijacked in here. <laughs> no, no, I, w- I want a blue check mark. Like, yeah, way to throw yeah, that in yeah, there. Right. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, we will see Pistons fans with uh, some more stories and some more team previews later this week. Thanks, guys.